Howdy, everyone. Welcome to another episode of California Toge. It's been a while since the last podcast. It's been a while since I last updated. And this tonight's episode, we're going to talk about red flags to look for when buying a new car. Because especially, I'm going to need to get a new one soon because I am no longer Sanic. My name is now Dangles. And of course, with me, I have... A, a phantom. Uh, returning again is Borg. Excellent. And two main commentators here. So... First thing we gotta talk about, you know, looking for a new car is, of course, looking at a Craigslist ad, offer up ad, whatever, and a few things to keep in mindful of when looking through those ads. Uh, first and foremost, of course, look for an ad that has pictures on it. That's the number one thing of all Craigslist ad, ad, whatever. Multiple pictures, pictures of the actual car, not just random bullshit pictures, and not bullshit pictures that you can find on Google. Try using uh, Google reverse image search. Make sure that is a legit car first. Anything else I'd like to put in about Craigslist ads? Well, I, I, it goes without saying, but uh, if it looks like someone's project car, it's a project car. Don't buy someone else's project car because you will be sorry. Yeah, there's never anything that comes good of buying project cars. Um, I mean, you never know how it's done unless it's got receipts and it's from a reputable shop. And unless you can backtrack literally everything, it is not worth buying the project car because there will be more headaches than you can imagine. Yeah, I mean, uh, the main the main thing is like, say the car has got the car's got an engine swap. Uh, there's a good chance that there's going to be a lot of custom parts that the person either fabricate themselves or they source from all over the place, and it's going to be really hard to pinpoint exactly what you're going to need when something does go wrong with like said project car yeah and a lot of the time it's also half-assed a lot of yeah. people don't really go for high quality they just go for what works at the time they don't think longevity wise Unfortun so that's another uh downside to project cars what, what, what about the old ls1 swap the one jz all those kind of things uh i mean you know, it's it's i mean they're called hoonicorns for a reason i mean they these people have put in a lot of work and a lot of money into these. And, and they're going to have a lot of fun in them, too, before you get them. Yeah, so it, it for in layman's terms, they're, they're, beat, they're beat to fucking shit. So yeah. it's usually the reason why they're selling is because they want to pass on the problems to somebody else and use that money to make another project car for themselves. So Yeah, that's uh, it's definitely the way that it usually happens. Um, Although you do get cases like our one friend who has a 1JZ swapped uh, SC300. Um, Some of these are like really cleanly done. Yeah, for, this uh, thing, I mean, is was pretty immaculate. Like yeah. I was very impressed with it. Like the thing is you really got to know what to be looking for when it comes to these kinds of cars. Because like it, to, to find a properly done swap at a very reasonable price, it's it's basically like one in a million. Yeah, <clears throat> I understand. Like, understand uh, buying project cars, especially when another thing to keep out look for. Not just if it's a project car. Now, if they start listing all the mods and everything they do, it keep in mind modifications to car doesn't mean in increased in value of that car. In fact, stock cars or clean cars are worth many times more than any modification that's done to the car itself. Because remember. That car is someone else's project, not yours. Yeah, there's there's about three, uh, there's there's four categories of cars that uh, are buyable. There's the non-runner shells, pieces of shit, just anything that isn't worth your money, basically, or is only worth it for the body. Um, there's your first category. Your second category is the clean cars, the factory cars, um, low mileage, high mileage, doesn't matter. Everything's been OEM and state OEM. 
There's the uh, slightly modified, lightly modified cars. So things like with coilovers, um, you know, uh, bolt-on mods, stuff like that. Those will usually be just as much as the clean cars and not usually be too much farther over. Um, even though you can put easily double the car's value into it, it, um, it definitely won't return on those types of mods. And then the last car is a racetrack car, like a full-on race car that has documentation, you know, full race-built motor, fully NRA, and uh, all the fucking bullshit compliant. Yeah. And those things are always worth value because, uh, you know, they're already all modded out and to spec, to race spec. Yeah. So that will always, uh, they won't hold all their value just like any car, but they'll hold, they'll retain a lot more than, say, a standard car. Yeah, and uh, that's all really well and good. Also, another keep in mind of also the status title, because that can actually tell you a lot about the car even before you buy it. No, Never buy salvage. <coughs> yes. Never. Oh, Unless if... This is Slav here, bringing you the report of the week. If you do decide to buy salvage, always go for something sub 5,000. And that should definitely be, you should buy salvage titles if you're trying to make that thing a drift sled or a track car or a towgate car. You know, something that you wouldn't have to pay insurance or smog on, per se, unless you're, you know, doing that towgate life. But, you know, there's always ways around it. That's true. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about this in a little, but uh, smog cars really, or salvage cars, you really have to you have to have full uh, incident reports and make sure that the body is completely straight. If not, then the car is literally worthless. So that's, um, that's something that we'll go over, I'm sure, later yeah. on when we dive into more of the different cars. And what, all that. what about the uh, rebuilt titles? Because I've seen same a few. Thing. Same thing? Same thing. Rebuilt or salvage. It's, <laughs> it's same difference. I won't say well, they're in the same boat, but rebuilt title cars are usually just completely fucked. Whereas it'll cost more than like a new car to actually make your, you know. Salvage title means that the damage was enough to where fixing it would exceed the value of the car. <laughs> rebuild title means that the car was rebuilt. Yep. Like it was <laughs> so, rebuilt as in like. It, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Those are the, the things like, these are like the worst case scenarios. Like you do see them somewhat often. But I mean, it doesn't take a, it doesn't take a lot to, uh. To be able to tell exactly what kind of car it's going to be. Well, I mean, uh, rebuild is uh, inspected by the state, right? Wouldn't our glorious state inspectors say this is a good car fit for the road? Well, if you if you say that state inspector's name is Miguel, then yes. Oh. <laughs> All right, so that would be a 7.3 Cummins. Uno momento, we're having a slight turbulence here. Yeah. Please hold your horses. You got a bro dozer who probably wants. Can to I just put? Hang on. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the sound of a 7.3 liter Cummins inline six and a Ford F250 in the 1990s. This one in particular has a couple of long ass antennas that look like cockroach antennas and shit. Uh, pretty fitting because this car is probably gonna be able to survive whatever nuclear holocaust that comes along. Uh, still recording? Okay, we're good. Uh, it seems to be lifted by at least one or two, like two inches. On, uh, looks like very worn mud tires. Uh, these are these kinds of mud tires are perfect for going off-road, uh, especially if you plan on going through deep mud. These worn patches will act like solidifying the, the solidifying, uh, I guess, nuclei for the mud to like dry <laughs> up on. 
And when that happens, you get infinite traction, which means you can you can basically power through anything. It's it's pretty awesome. Wow, power through anything? Tell me more. Well, you see, air is a very viscous. Uh, it, no, it's not. It's a very non-viscous fluid, right? So these these little pat these tread patches on these giant ass mutt tires, they they function as nuclei for the for the uh, air to freeze on. So in, in effect, like the air freezes around the tires and creates infinite traction, so you can drive anywhere you want, even space. My favorite, my favorite thing about this uh, this nice uh, rhythm of uh, you know the engines, yes. it's really great because there's no drivers in them. They just started them up right next to us, and are just letting them idle for no fucking reason at all. This is what we call a jabroni. <laughs> all right, so. I know the reason why they had to let these idle is because it is obviously negative 15 degrees out right now. <laughs> and as you know, with diesel engines, the fuel tends to gel up and they, they require long warm up times in order to run at peak efficiency. So this is the reason why they're letting these engines idle for, uh, for so long. Well, you know how it is, how it gets in Tecate, Mexico. It gets really cold down here, especially during the winter time. Oh yeah, it's like... Uh, they say it's negative like 15 Celsius. That that amounts around 25, 26 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, very for for a diesel engine that's very chilly. So uh, warm up times tend to be tend to take a little bit longer than with your average vehicle. Yeah, a lot of things is what a lot of people don't realize. No, Tecate, Mexico can get really cold, but it doesn't snow here. But it's really dry. So imagine putting dry ice on your nipples. That's how cold it gets in Tecate. Yeah, basically. Plus we have like a really cold wind, and uh, that that tends to. Uh, just exacerbate the wind chill factor. So I just uh, I just got back from, uh, or I didn't just get back. I'm going back yeah, out. Medicate real quick. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, you, you have to medicate. Real oh quick. yeah. No, 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 no. Well, not I, about I that. But uh, anyways, I just got back from uh, a little bit south of the Canadian border, way up there, where it's nice yeah. and snowy. I mean, I was in five to twenty-five degree weather the entire time, and it was colder down here in Mexico. When it's only like 30 degrees or 40 degrees down here, it is worse than down there. Oh wow! So it's, I don't know why. I don't know why it was. It just felt warm up there, even though it was so cold. It was great. I loved it. And it was snowing, so can't beat that. Well, how about we get back on topic again? So understand that uh, when looking through a car, especially avoid salvage or rebuilt titles. Especially if you just also use your Toge machine as a daily driver as well because you do not know what underlying problems that thing may have. But there's also one other title I want to talk about but a lot of people don't realize, and that's a lien. Now, if you're not familiar with lien, it's basically a place, company, corporation, mechanic, whatever, loan officer has put a lien on a title. That means they technically own it, not the person selling you who owns it. And with liens, <coughs> this happened to me when I bought my Ford Escort a couple years ago. I bought it, you know, uh, I got it for $1,100. Uh, it was in perfectly running condition, you know, not exactly the best thing out there, I didn't even have a tack on it, but it was stick shift. It got me from point A to point B, and it was great. Until I tried, after I bought it, <coughs> I tried to register at the DMV. Now, I knew it had, hasn't been registered for like a year or two. I can understand paying back register. I, was, I planned that. What I didn't know about the title, that there was a mechanic's lien on that. Now, a mechanic's lien, basically the mechanic that I bought it from, I don't know if the mechanic I bought it from that had a lien on it or some other mechanic that had a lien on it, but what happened is you have to pay off that lien, at least in California law, you have to pay it off in full, in 
my $1,100 car went up to like a $2,000 car to pay off that stupid fucking lien. So, that's also a definite, definite thing to keep an eye out for if the title has liens on it. So you don't want to pay out your ass for it. Yeah, that's very true. So you always want to, uh, you always want to make sure you always want to do your background history and check and stuff before you buy any car. You want to learn all the laws. You want to learn all the titles. You want to learn pretty much everything there is to know, so that you don't get ripped out of your money. And so that more importantly, the uh, the uh, more importantly than the sale will be more smooth, and you'll know exactly what you're getting, and you're not going to be surpri as surprised down the road. Yes, definitely. Just talking about Craigslist ass a little bit more. Another thing to keep out like certain phrases to look out for. For example, mechanic special. Avoid those. Yeah, mechanics always. If it's a shitty car and it's a mechanic car, it's literally just put together, just barely able to make it from A to B, and that's it. Literally, <laughs> it is able to get you there and here, but for how long? Who knows? And that's kind of the mechanic special is that you just kind of fix it as you go and you do one little thing at a time. So they're usually in super terrible condition. Um, another phrase that you'd love to hear is, was in great running condition before it didn't work anymore. <laughs> that seems to be a very common one for old 80s and 90s shit boxes. Great engine runs fine. Engine does not work. Those are also great phrases. Yes. Another thing to keep it out for is no test drivers, no tire kickers. I know what I got. Yes, also check out for... Um, yes, those are the signs of a boomer selling it. If they talk about... Uh, if they talk about that they never raced it, it was adult-owned, and start putting in phrases like that, then, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious that that's exactly what they were doing. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to bring it up if they weren't doing it. So no, that's another thing to check out. For example, if you're looking at a 240SX and it says immediately, this is not a drift car, I did not drift in it, most likely they probably did drift in that car. <laughs> Was never drift. It has a welded diff, has a <laughs> super stretched tires in the back with like five degree camber. <laughs> or when you go take a look at it, it's... Oh, sorry. Or you take a, or you go check out the car itself, and like there, the suspension is all fucked up. The uh, the engine feels like it's like really sluggish, which is a sign that's got low compression, by the way. Um, see, I won't say cracked dash because that's really common with two forties, but um, dude, that's common with like every eighties, nineties shit box. Well, it's, it's just more common with two forties because you'll see like freaking ten. No, go go check like go check the E thirty movement. They're literally about to start like building their own dashes because there's not enough dashes out there anymore because they all too, just crack yeah at any rate though it's it's about to be an apocalypse for the e30 owners like if, if, it, if like the uh the rear diff is fucked up or it's got like a i don't know like again check engine lights another big big giveaway that the car is probably not properly maintained um i mean the only real way to know whether the car is a good buy if you want to be sure is to drive it for about a week the thing is, like, you're <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not, never going to happen, ever. And uh, <clears throat> that is a good advice. Always actually test drive your car. If the owner refuses to let you drive it, even for, like, a block, do not buy that car. Yeah, I can agree with that. But another, if another surefire way, receipts. If they have a paper trail for the past five years or more i mean you'll basically know you'll basically know what you're getting not not necessarily but you'll basically know 
All right, so uh, back, back on that paper shell topic, um, I could definitely chime in on that as from personal experience. So when I was looking for my WRX, I spent about a year looking for like the perfect one. Then I come up on this wagon, which is uh, the guy was asking about 7000 for it, which is actually a very reasonable price for uh, like an 05. Complete, it was com it's completely stock, unmodified, uh, about 140,000 miles. Uh, go in and talk to the guy, and he has, uh, he has a freaking textbook worth of service records, and he's so basically he bought it new at I like I can list off like everything that he's done to it, but uh, he bought it new at South Coast Subaru back in 2005, and he's he's had service is the car's completely dealer maintained. I've had service records from here in Orange County all the way up to San Francisco and Tacoma, Washington, where he's, where he's got family. Um, and uh, when I was test driving the car, he actually encouraged me to floor the, floor the gas pedal just to see exactly, like, how, how healthy the car is. And, I mean, that, that alone was reasons for me to buy it. I actually wasn't even looking to buy a car at that point, too. But uh, I, had, I had 6500 available, and I offered, I, give, I offered him the price, and he's like, well, yeah, I can do that for you, because the thing is, on the other on the other end, he was there is this uh, stance pro rice fat kid who probably <laughs> would just fuck the car up. Um, he basically didn't budge on the price for that kid, so he was about to pay like seven thousand for it. Oh but wow! He let it, yeah, he let it go to me for sixty five hundred because he knew I was going to take care of the car, and well, it's running strong today. That's uh, a lot of really good cars actually go between friends as well as a lot of shitty cars, but. The cool thing is, if you're if you're a friend and you really uh, show and you really show enthusiasm into the car culture, um, and you know if you if you have uh, a, kind of an aurora of knowledge and and like mental fortitude that you know what you're doing and stuff, and yeah, well even that, yeah, I mean, great cars that you can get great cars for great prices because if it's a friend who's selling you. The so if it's like a friend who's selling you the car, then uh, obviously he'd be able to like help you work on it and stuff because he's got all the service records like either in his head or physically. Yeah, exactly. I mean that's a that's a really rare thing though to actually have an owner to legitimately take care of the car, have actual service records and all those different things because uh, that's actually a good thing have a, a paper trail because don't always rely on Carfax because those things no. They only tell you when it's been in service or when it's gone to a dealer, kind of. Here's a fun fact. Owners, like, so Carfax really just tells you when the when the ownership has changed, whether it's been in any accidents, and whether there's any like liens or titles and whatnot. That's that's it. Well, even uh, Carfax and stuff. Uh, because of it, um, I had to. I got I got my car hit. Car was hit. Um, some lady was driving without her lights on at night. I pulled out in front of her. I was deemed 100% at fault for no freaking reason. Uh, it was bullcrap claim, but I didn't go after it. And they quoted me $4,000 to fix all my damage, which would have totaled the car. So spent 500 bucks, fixed it over two weekends, yeah. hammered everything back in place and ran it, and it ran fine. Um, but it never went on record because I never went through insurance to fix it. So it's still a clean title car, still has no accident history or record. So you never truly know with that. Um, you can still hide things. The only way to truly know is bring somebody with you that knows what cars should look like or has some mechanical knowledge. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, for 
guys like me and Borg, it's easy to just look at a car and be like, yo, it was hit right here. Yeah. You can see the fender or the metal or the bodywork is crumpled. You can see that it's not straight. Like, we know what we're looking for. So having that type of knowledge with you when you go and buy a car is invaluable. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you a story how I actually bought my sec uh, second car, actually second car from a private owner, that is. And that was a Dodge Neon, a 2001 Dodge Neon. And I absolutely hated the shit out of it. Because I didn't go, I mean, I thought I went through every single step on buying a good car. What to look for, checking the suspension, I checked for leaks, I you know, went around all of it, make sure everything was good, and I bought it you know, same day, got a, a decent deal, <coughs> a, de a decent deal on it. The thing is, the one thing I didn't look at, because you know how you go to an oil change place, and you change the, usually, yeah, oh, there he goes. <laughs> Well, look at that. He finally got his car to start 15 <laughs> minutes later. There we go. This is only 15 minutes. I mean, come on. That ain't that bad. It's better than Franken30 who sits there and smacks his uh, alternator with a stick <laughs> just to get it to go. Sits there and bangs on his motor for like 30 minutes. That was pretty gold, dude. That was that was good. That it was, was like one of those cars with the crank in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trying to get it to turn over. Oh, okay. So, continuing with uh, the Dodge Neon. Uh, like how you go to the oil change place, you usually slap a sticker in your windshield telling you like when to change it, what type of oil you put, they put in it, and all that. I did not look at that whatsoever because like a week later, I noticed it had 20W50 in the engine. Now that's for a compact sedan. That's like 20W50 is for like heavy machinery kind of shit. Like heavy, heavy duty, yeah, heavy duty, like a bulldozer or fucking like huge cars. race cars. Yeah, even yeah, but. The thing is, uh, I went out, just uh, changed the oil on myself, so you no, know, put some uh, 5W30, you know, standard for like sedans and stuff. Yeah, um, <coughs> it did have a slight leak, but the big thing that happened after that, I started hearing a knock in my engine. I took it to the mechanic, and they saw that I had a rod knock. Yeah, that's another thing. Like a lot of a lot of sellers, like if they just want to cover shit up, like any oil leaks, any any engine problems, like what they'll do is like they'll just put on put in like really thick oil, because a high viscosity oil will actually cushion like any mechanical, I guess interferences. So like if you got rod knock, like like uh, Dangle said, uh, any any oil leaks, like it's it just it won't show until you cha finally change the oil and it's like, well, basically has a hemorrhage. Yeah, so that's definitely another thing to keep an eye out for is just check out. <laughs> I don't know how you can check the, the viscosity of the oil in the engine, though, without. Yeah, like it's it's not you can't exactly check it. So unless, of course, they have service records, then you know exactly oh, yes. what they got. That's a definitely thing. If the check the service records, I mean, I was super uh, kind of stupid because it was right there going to be the whole time. And I just never noticed because it's. I don't know. I just that sticker there. I just kind of ignore it most of the time. Yeah, and that's the thing, dude. Is buying a car is very exciting, and when you're excited, you tend to make mistakes. Oh yeah. When you do that, you either overbuy, under or overbuy, or buy something that you shouldn't have bought. So it's always good to. Um, it's it's not only just good to wait and be patient. It's good to do that not just for making sure that the car is good, but it's also a great buyer tactic because then the seller wants to buy a car, but uh, or wants the buyer the seller wants to sell the car, and you're kind of just stringing him along, and they'll make him more willing to budge on price just to get the car moved. Again, uh, back on that topic, uh, never buy a car on impulse. That's usually uh, a lot of I see a lot of people doing that because they ju they just want that car now, and they they don't. 
they don't do the research into it. They say, oh, it's a good price. I'm just going to jump in and buy it. And they end up with, like, thousands of repair bills. And, you know, it just turns into a freaking nightmare. Yeah, uh, Borg brings up a good point. Uh, try not to buy on impulse. The problem is when I bought that Neon, I had to buy on impulse because I had a couple gigs lined up. I needed a car to get from place to place right away. So I kind of needed a car right away. And I just so happened to buy that because I thought everything was fine until I found out it had Rognock. Mm. I mean, for the most part, the car... No, it actually was a complete shit. I can't even think of a good thing about it. Um, I mean, it got a vacuum leak a couple months later. It had the rod knock. It, I, just like a whole bunch of shit. So I decided to you no know, scrap it for California. You no, know, California has that you no know, clean air act. Uh, they yeah, the, the carb thing. Carb, like if, you, if you like scrap your car, they'll give you like some sort of cash bonus. Yeah, like a, like a California car. owns version of ca- ash for clunkers or whatever. Yeah, like it's. I think it's still active right now. Uh, California is pretty commie in that sense, but uh, yeah. I mean, like back 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 on topic with Son or sorry Dangles is uh, <laughs> experience. Like again, uh, buying on impulse is always is usually doesn't end well. Actually, I'll ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's not going to end well. So what would you recommend then? Uh, like check out the car first, see it firsthand, then call him back later. Yeah, or? De- definitely check out the ch- check out the car first, test drive it. Um, of course, have the cash in hand because sometimes buyers or sellers get a little bit sketched out if you just like, you know, if it's a performance car, especially, they'll think you're just going to take it out for a joyride. Um, I mean, you could always compare with a few other cars at the same time, uh, around the same price point. Um, beyond that, like, again, you're not gonna really going to find out any problems until, I'd say, two weeks to a month after you actually get the car. That's very true. Yeah, because the thing is, like, they're not most. For the most parts, if if a problem isn't showing itself, it's that it's gonna be that way for another couple of weeks before it makes itself known. Like for well, for example, my WRX. Uh, about a month and a half later, one of the coil packs blew, and I had the uh, that flashes check engine light. Um, it was an easy fix, obviously. Just switch the coil packs around, diagnosed, and that's it. But but still, like you, it's best if you have at least like another thousand as a cushion to uh, for any repairs that might need to be done. Yeah, never spend your whole budget on the car itself. Always make sure that you got room to go, uh, room for repairs and stuff. <coughs> I hate to cut this short on my end, but... uh your registration tag so it doesn't get stolen. Okay, that's fine. I hate to... Uh, I thought I told her to do that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I hate to cut this short, but uh, I got a flight to catch in the morning, so I got to head out. I got to be up at 5, and it's already pretty well, fucking late. have fun flying, Phantom. Yeah, so we're going to cut it off here. So I hope oh. that we had, uh, well, mostly, well, got something else to say? Um, just uh, make sure that, uh, you know, you take your time and stuff buying cars and uh, make sure that realistically, uh, the, look at the owner. The owner will usually tell you how he took care of the car. Yeah. He's a jabroni and he looks. And bring a buddy like, too, uh, yes. Huh? Yeah, always bring a buddy with you to always check it. Always bring a buddy too, but always look at the person that's selling it because, you know, you can tell kind of by their actions how well they've taken care of their car. Yeah. Okay. So, any last thoughts uh, from Borg or? Um, it really just, it really just uh, repeating what Phantom said. Um, look at the character of the person. Look at the state of the car. If the tires are okay, if the, uh, if the tires have enough tread, if, it, if it's got no leaks, 
Uh, the person's very transparent about what's been done, what kind of service you've been doing it to it, and exactly what's been going into the car. Uh, you're usually pretty, you'll usually be pretty well off with that. But again, just have that thousand dollars in reserve just in case anything goes wrong. Because again, if it's an old car, something's bound to like eventually need to be replaced. Yeah, very good words, wise words. Like, just repeat everything. No, bring some extra cash. Make sure you have enough to actually repair it or have a lien on it or whatever, because surprises will come up. Anyway, that's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Tune in next time, uh, probably next week or so or whatever. Uh, keep updated, subscribe, like, and all that bullshit. See you later.